I got 20 minutes. How many guys think I can teach this in 20 minutes? I'd like to welcome our visitors. Amen. Next week, uh, Professor J.P. Dorsey will be teaching on the book of Romans. And if you've never heard J.P., the dude is a machine gun. Like, like, don't even think about bringing a notepad and trying to take notes. You can't. You're, you'll miss one thing after the other. So next week, um, bring your tape recorder or watch it on live stream. But Dr. J.P. Dorsey, he's, he's a great hero of mine. He's a weirdo. He's a theologian, but he uses words that I can understand. How many of you guys appreciate weird, smart people that still speak English? Right, so that's next week. So um, let's go over the book of Romans here, guys. Chapter 10, I'm sorry, not chapter 10. This is part 10. And I want to today present to you something. It's kind of, let's take a look at the entire book of Romans. We've been putting this together piece by piece. I've taught on this multiple times. We come and go. But, I, but today, Paul's going to really hit us with this magnum opus. The greatest sentence that takes all the other sentences of theology in the book of Romans comes together in chapter 12. That's where we'll be camping, but we got to get there first. So the book of Romans has some pretty lofty goals. It wants to present the true condition of the hearts of men before a holy God. How many of you guys know you see you're a good person or a bad person? You're in for a debate. You know what I mean? Well, what makes you a good person? How do you know you're a good person? Compared to who? Is good even important? Is, are you a holy person or a good person? How holy are you? If you say you're that holy, aren't you prideful? And isn't pride a sin? And you know what I'm going? Like, there's, how, how do you do this? But he's going to literally take uh, what Locke called in the 17th century self-evident truth. He's going to use creation. He's going to use Abraham for the Jews, creation for the Gentiles. And he's going to prove to us the condition of our hearts. Um, he's going to present the gospel as the one and only solution to man's sins. He's going to make it so clear that the news of Jesus Christ, that good news of his birth, his sinless life, his atoning death, his triumphant resurrection, his ascension to be seated at the right hand of the Father, where we are also seated in him according to the same writer in the book of Ephesians. He gives us the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. So here, here we go, right? He presents the gospel as the one only solution to man's sins. He wants to unite a divided Jewish-Gentile church. The emperor had banned Jews from Rome, from the city of Rome, but now they've come back after several years. And in coming back, the Jews have become kind of more orthodox, and the Gentiles have kind of become more, you know, Ohio State fans. And so they're trying to figure out how, how to make these bad people and these good people become God's people. That was for you, Dan. Um, and then clarify what God has established as true worship. Everybody say true worship. This is the magnum opus. How do I please how do I approach, how do I live in such a way that my life makes God smile? Like, I'm going to accomplish a lot of things in my life, so are you. Some things I'm proud of, some things I'm not proud of. But the one thing that I, I am living for is that moment where I get to hear, well done, right? Good and faithful servant. I want to make God smile a million times a day. I want him to look at me and say, I'm so proud of that kid. Do you know what he's like when I found him when he was 16 years old? Do you know what, do you know what I've led that kid? you know how many times I had to forgive that chowderhead? But I am so proud of my boy. How many guys want your father's blessing? To this day. Ladies, is it the same thing for you or is it just guys? You want your mother's blessing? You want to be blessed. And our, and our father's saying to us, you're, you're a good man. I'm proud of you. I never got to hear that in the natural realm. But I, I've heard it since the day I got born again in the spiritual realm. I've heard my heavenly father say, boy." It's like... I missed the shot. It's like, yeah, I know, but you, you picked up the ball, and that's a step in the right direction. Sometimes God hands out medals just for my self-esteem. I know that's going to tick some of you off, but there it is. Um, 21 times as Paul builds this case for this magnum opus statement we're going to get into today, he uses the word therefore. So he's going to build something and say, now, therefore, how many of you guys know the question we ask when we see the word therefore? What's the, 
What's the therefore, therefore? He, all this information comes to a conclusion, and that conclusion now creates a new area for, for more information, more knowledge, more truth, more debate, and then, and then if that's established, therefore, he leads us from glory to glory and faith to faith throughout this book. And the word therefore is this amazing transitional conjunction, junction. It's an amazing function. It's, it's, this, it's this word that hooks up phrases and clauses and complex sentences like, right? Some of you guys that are my age think that's funny. The rest are like, why is he babbling? <laughs> Here we go. Paul begins with a premise. Here's the premise. Romans chapter 1. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, this message, this story about the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ, the indwelling Holy Spirit, the commandments of God being fulfilled in relationship. I'm not ashamed of that because it is the what? It's the power of God that brings what? Salvation to everyone who believes. Interesting statement. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in this gospel, in these words, once believed, the righteousness of God, the, the righteousness that God considers righteousness, it's revealed, it's hidden, but in this message, there's this revelation of what true righteousness really is, a righteousness that's by what? From first to last, just as it's written, the righteous will live by faith. Now, from there, he begins to build the case. The first pillar of his case is to clearly state the problem. The problem was the cause, and what are the consequences of the problem? Now, the problem is simply this. The cause is since what might be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them through creation. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible quality, stuff like his eternal power, his divine nature, how smart he is, how big he is, how powerful he is, they've been clearly seen, being understood from what's been made so that people are without excuse. Listen to me very carefully. One of the objections to the gospel is, is simply this. What happens to the people that never get to hear the gospel? They, they live in the rainforest in the Amazon. They, they don't get to hit. So what, they all go to hell? Listen, if we don't have access to the word of God, we always have access to the works of God. And so he says the works of God are so amazing and so wonderful. When you hold your newborn child in your arms, you go, man, am I lucky? You're an idiot. When, when, when you see the seasons change and the tides come and go and carry what is dead back to the sea or can be eaten and what is alive comes in so that you can eat it. When you see the stars and the moon and, and when you get a microscope and you can see that this isn't all we can see, we can see smaller and smaller and smaller into the molecular world where these weird mechanisms are coming and going and they're assembling amino acids into long chains that are infinitely impossible and yet with all these 60 combinations, if they were beads, they'd, be, they'd wrap around your neck five times and all these things with 60 different combinations, each one finding its right place, coming together and then forming one chain that can become one protein that fits into one living cell that becomes one organism, that becomes one self-reproducing, eating, feeding, growing, multiplying, dying, and it's just, I mean, when you see what God has done, and you go, wow, isn't dirt great? Uh, now, I, if you believe in goo to you by way of the zoo, if you believe in evolution for a rock banged together long enough that a rock became a human being, I... I know what it sounds like I'm doing is mocking, but remember, I lived a lot of my life in atheism. I held to those facts. I actually don't have enough faith, and this is gonna sound strange, I don't have enough faith mathematically to believe in evolution anymore. I, if I never knew the words of God, the works of God alone would tell me that he exists. Does this make sense? And so Paul says, listen, if you don't see him through this, then God only has one choice left, and this is it. 
Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts. See, they didn't, they didn't want to ignore God because they sincerely had a disbelief. They wanted to ignore God because they wanted to be God. Same thing's true today. What is, what is all man-made religion? I form a God in my image, so whatever I'm doing is right, and whatever someone I, doesn't, I don't like is doing is wrong. So I'm a good person because I wrote my own laws, because I'm my own God. Boy, it's quiet today. I was kind of hoping for an amen, at least from my mother. Mom, you have an enemy in Florida? I'm just asking because these guys all left me hanging, Mom. I'm just what I'm saying, right? So he begins to turn them over in three escalating levels of judgment, each one more painful than the last. And it's not that God's punishing us. There is no punishment, if you will. There's discipline. Discipline leads me to righteousness, leads me to question what I believe and what I'm doing. Is this effective? Does this work? I'm trying to open a bottle with my teeth. Is this the right way to open a bottle? I'm trying to open a door with my face. Is this the right way to open a door? What I'm saying is this. There are times when God allows pain. A loving God allows pain because pain tells us something's wrong, where it's located, so that I can do something about it. And so the first layer is sexual morality. And so they wake up the next morning next to somebody ashamed of what they've done. The disease, the unwanted pregnancy, the, the, the mother's tears, their father's shame. And if that doesn't work, if there's not enough there to go, I, I, I'm looking for God. I, I went to a brothel trying to find God, and I, I, didn't find, I found the pleasures of heaven, but, but the consequences of hell. And if you won't repent, there's other layers of sexual immorality that lead to a deeper level of shame. And the last thing that God would turn people over to, just so that it creates pain, unending, non-stopping pain, is what's called a reprobate mind where it doesn't matter what's right, I decided what's right. And so we choose wrong, we choose wrong, we choose wrong. Consequences, broken relationships, bankruptcies, and, and fear, and worry, and anger, and unforgiveness. And finally, in, in all this pain, we should cry out, God, save me. This is why he does this. So therefore, there's our first therefore. Therefore, God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts. Man, if you don't want me, there's a life without me that's painful. But I want you to know this, prodigal child, anytime you want to turn around, though you're still a long ways off, I'll see you and I'll run to you. That's the loving mercy of God. Look at this. You, therefore, have no excuse. The second thing he builds on this first pillar is that, boy, there's rotten people in the world. Second pillar, you're one of them, right? There's no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, you're just as rotten as they are. Matter of fact, you're judging yourself because you do what they do. Gossip's a sin. How do you know that? Well, I heard that they were gossiping. I'm just telling you for, as a prayer request right? No, that's, that's, that's still sin, right? So uh, it's not just bad people that need salvation. It's good people too. It doesn't matter how you were raised and how pious, how restrictive, how holy, how free you were raised. What, what matters is this. Everybody, it says in, in Romans chapter 3, there's our third, therefore, no one's going to be declared righteous in the sight of God by, by not killing their neighbor, by obeying the Sabbath, by giving a tenth of their mint, dill, and cumin, by, you know, by doing all the do's and not doing all the don'ts. No, he's not going to say, oh, you know what? You're as holy as I am. God's never going to say that based on our works. Can we agree on that? How many of us might agree God's a little bit better than we are? Okay, to the infinite degree, right? No one's going to be declared righteousness in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, the thou shalt and thou shalt not, they're all there so that we'd understand what sin was and be conscious of the, of the weight of our sin and the distance that we deserve from God so that we would cry out and say, God, save me. This, guys, hear me. This is why Jesus and the Pharisees do not get along. This is why, because the Pharisees, 
heard the law, knew the law, memorized the law, did their best to live the law, but, but he calls them hypocrites. One who wears a mask, a Hippocrates uh, in the Greek culture was an actor, was a thespian, was someone who said, I, you know, here, I'm going to be a, I'm a tree, I'm a tree. Well, is he a tree? No, he's a guy acting like a tree. Well, the, they come out and they say, I'm holy, I'm holy. Is he really holy? And Jesus goes, on the outside with your robes and your beard and your oils and your anointings and your, your metal forks and your ceremonies and your synagogues, you look so holy. But on the inside, you're just full of dead men's bones. You're whitewashed tombs, and you're filled with dead men's bones. By the time the Savior arrives, mankind should be crying, save us. Instead, he meets these guys that go, we're cool, and you're the devil. There's going to be a problem. There's going to be a problem, right? Therefore, no one's going to be declared righteous. They're terrible. This is the end of Paul's first pillar. They're terrible. You're not any better, and everybody's lost. And now the problem is clearly stated. He moves on. And we build the next pillar. Now, apart from the law, stop there. For thousands of years, the Jews tried to obey the law and failed. And now this guy goes, yeah, apart from the law. How many guys know it's a little frustrating? You know, uh, you work so hard to get your education. You work so hard to save the money. You work so hard to start the business. You work that, and then you win the lottery. It's like, well, why did I go through all that effort? He's saying, listen, that whole thing you've been trusting and working for every Sabbath, every feast, every holiday, every holy day, every fast, all the prohibitions, all the mean people, all the nice people, all the merciful people, all the judgmental people, yeah, none of that really matters. You actually went down the wrong path to righteousness. Because you led yourself there, the only righteousness is at the end of it is self-righteousness. And look at this. Now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets, they've been talking about this whole time. It wasn't like it was a secret. You just made up your own path. This righteousness is given through faith. Faith here is defined as relational trust. I, I trust, I know, I have a relationship with Jesus. To all who what? Believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. There's no difference between whether you eat pig meat or cloven hoofs or carp or butterflies. or there's the, Listen, we maintain that a person is justified. Anybody remember what the word justified means? Just if I'd never. You guys are so cool. You're getting this. It only took 10 weeks. I'm excited about this. I really am. For we maintain that a person is in right standing just if they'd never sinned, justified by this relational trust apart from the works of the law. Well, what does that mean? It means this. Salvation comes from a person believed, not a law obeyed. You guys getting why the gospel is good news? <laughs> this heavy revy, this, this revelation, this understanding that my performance, though, though notable, and if it comes through relationship, is even rewardable in heaven. But it, my works are not establishing my relationship. If it's done well, my relationship will establish fruit or works. Salvation, right standing with God, not just the moment you're saved, but, but every preceding decade, century afterwards. It, salvation is not a law obeyed. It's a person believed. It's almost like Jesus says, hey, will you trust me? Well, yeah, I'll trust you as long as I take out the trash, brush my teeth, I floss. You know that gingivitis is really bad. It causes heart disease now. It didn't when I was a kid, but it does now because science. And, and saliva causes cancer, but only taken in small amounts over a long period of time. And, and, you know, and so we're going we're gonna, to, okay, I, I, so I've, I've worked it out. Are we still good? And she's just like, the works were never even in question. Salvation, damnation. Trust me don't. Here's the question again. Do you trust that I am enough, that I've done enough, that I love you enough, 
that I'm patient enough? Do you believe that I am everything you need to be right with God to walk out the rest of this life and live for eternity in my presence? Do you trust that I'm good enough for both of us? And if the answer is yes, congratulations, children of God. And the answer is like, well, I wasn't raised that way. Wow. When something is priceless and free, who wouldn't take that? And I think the only thing is someone who's confused or deluded, lied to, or forgive me, but has been trained in a religious system that demands works. Guys, welcome to the promised land. Yeah, there's giants to kill, but God's here with us. He's not against us. He's for us. He's on our side. He's our father. He's committed to our discipline, but he's also committed to our victories. He's with us, right? Salvation is extraordinarily personal. It, it, it is in no way simply a legal matter. Did you not kill somebody? Yes, I did not kill somebody. I wanted to. I went to their home. They weren't home. So technically, because they weren't there, I never killed them. Well, that's heavens for non-murderers. Come on in. It's never going to happen. I can't tell you the number of times there's been murder in my heart. Isn't that a terrible thing for a pastor to say? The problem is I'm not, I'm not just a pastor. I'm a husband. I'm a father. Somebody hurts my wife, hurts my kids. The logical solution is to annihilate the problem. Come on, men. Say amen. Don't leave me up here. I, yeah, yeah. I just want to kill them. Amen. But me not killing them doesn't make me righteous. It just means I don't have to live the rest of my life in prison because I'd get caught. Because I wouldn't just kill them. I'd be proud of it. I'd be like in the hotlines. I would create a Facebook page. I'd Instagram the crime scene. Look at that. Right? Because, I, I, you know, if you're angry enough to do something that terrible, there's about 15 minutes where you're proud of it and it's right. And then there's the rest of time where you're ashamed and condemned for your actions. Anybody else been there? Okay. Four of you and they're all male voices. That's exciting. Good. Salvation. All right. Paul concludes with his next therefore, the second pillar. And here it is. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace, which is a gift directly from God to you and, and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring. Now, not just the Jewish people that have his blood, but the Gentile people that have his faith. He is the father of us all. I love that. Pillar one is sin. Pillar two is salvation through Christ. And now Paul introduces the third pillar, which is the, this, this argument of what sort of life we should now live. Look at this. Therefore, but come on, say it with me. Therefore, say it. Since we have been through, we have with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What kind of life should we live? A life that has peace with God. Let me just comfort you for a minute in case you're confused. Peace with God does not necessarily mean peace with men. I, I, I would even argue the opposite, that peace with God and maintaining that peace puts me in a position where, yes, I have peace with God, but I'll be at odds with, with men. Does that make sense? Sometimes what Jesus does not allow me to disbelieve, that which is true, that which is real, will run contradictory to the people that I love around me. And I, I cannot love them more than him. The most unloving thing I can do is deny the truth to stay in relationship with someone that's inside of a burning house. I don't want to wake them up because that might upset them. I promise you it will upset them many times. But I also promise you that love will not allow you to do anything less than to try to save their life. 
save their soul, save their heart, save their destiny, save their future. That's okay. They're just doing their thing. They don't bother me. I don't bother them. I'm not saying we should go out protesting and stand on street corners. I'm simply saying this. If you love somebody, you'll tell them the truth. What time are you going to dinner? Six o'clock. It's five, and I'm going to leave them behind. Like, that's not loving. Six o'clock means six o'clock. If you're in my house, 6.05. But it means, it means around, around 6 o'clock, whenever we're ready, right, in that area. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. The long scripture. You guys doing good? All right. I'm, I'm lining the plane here in the next 27 minutes. Therefore, I love this. There is now how much condemnation? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, through salvation, believing the gospel, trust all things we talked about in the first seven chapters, the law of the Spirit, who gives what? Has set you where? Free from the law of sin and death. That's all over with now. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, come on. They're the children of God. The Spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves. You're not worried about not bringing in the right amount of harvest or breaking a tool or, or you know, being so disappointed that you're, 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 you're beaten for your crime. It's like, no, we're not slaves. So that you live in fear again, performance-based. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by the Holy Spirit, we cry out, Papa. Or in my household, Papa. My new grandfather name is Papa. Abba, Father. The Spirit himself took time out of being God <laughs> and testifies with individual people, you're my kids. Now, if we're his kids, then what's his is ours. I have authority. You are my champion. I'm seated in Christ in heavenly places. Then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed, we're not just in this because we like the, the feeling we get during worship, but we're ready to take what comes after worship as we confront darkness. We might also share in his glory. That was the King Jim version. Did you see that, though? You read it, right? So God's forgiven our sins through Jesus, yes? Adopted us as sons and daughters, made us heirs in the kingdom with authority, and restored our purpose. Here it comes. Where's Rob? Come on, Rob. Supposed to be playing by now. Run, Rob. What would they call you, Robbie Keys? I heard someone call you Robbie Keys. We got a, used to be piano girl number seven, so I think Robbie Keys is an advancement. Here it comes. You ready? Here's the zenith. This is what I think everything's been leading up to is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I'll just give it to you piece by piece. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters. What does he mean by brothers and sisters? Well, he established in Romans chapter 8 that we're family. It doesn't matter if you're upper class and I'm lower class. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter if I'm a Jew and you're a Gentile. Jesus makes us one family. We're adopted by God. And, and what makes us even is his love, not our accomplishments or defeats. When Jesus talks to people, he doesn't say what they've done. He calls them by what he sees them as. The woman caught in the act of adultery. He doesn't call her adulterer. He calls her daughter. Why? Because he speaks to our destiny because that's what fathers do. That's what parents do. I love what Pastor Adam said a couple of weeks ago. He said, when I discipline my kids, I don't tell them what they did wrong until after I've told them who they are. You're a nice boy. You, do, you don't say words like that to your sister. You're, you're, you're a protector of the women in this family. You're a guardian of the honor of all femininity. So, you know, when you, when you pushed her out of the way to get a popsicle, that's, that's inappropriate because you are, I, I expect you to behave not, you pushed your sister, go to your room, you're a bad, bad boy. How many of you what I'm saying? When God speaks to you, he speaks to you about your destiny, not your history. He, he sees where you're going, not where you've been. If he wanted to point out where you've been, Jesus would have never come. He could have sat up and said, you, you, all these sinners. Look at all these sinners. And gone from person to person, you know? 
You, I caught you smoking behind the synagogue the other day. And you, you were slow dancing a little too close with that girlfriend of yours, weren't you? Yes, you were. And you, I can't tell you what you did because I'm Jesus. And it would be unholy for me to even say what you did, right? How many guys are glad you're not sitting in this section right now, right? <laughs> oh, he knows. So he's, he just loves the feel. Hey, guys, if you're his, we're family. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to urge you as those who know corporately the mercy of God. Therefore, brothers and sisters, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, what do you mean by God's mercy? Romans 1, 2, and 3, the first pillar of the problem, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, the solution of the problem, believing, trusting, Jesus dying, to just, to just make it so, I'm not, I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying it's simple. Trust me, I got this, or don't trust me. But what if I cuss? Trust me, I got this. I command you to go and love all people. Yes? Jesus, even the ones that have tattoos? Jesus answers, yes, even people that ask stupid questions. You hear what I'm saying? In view of this mercy, this mercy didn't cost us anything. It cost God his son. You hear what I'm saying? And the word became flesh. What? The eternal God took on human form and walked among us, suffering the limitations, the hungers, the heat, the fatigue, living among sinners so that he could become an offering for our sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of this great mercy, I, uh, oh, we cut it off. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. I looked it up. You know, it's the only place the words living sacrifice are side by side in Scripture. A sacrifice by definition, I, you know, be living roadkill. It's like, no, no, it's not roadkill unless it's dead, right? It's just an animal on the side of the road. But he said, no, no there, there's, a, there's a balance between you are fully alive like you've never been before, body, soul, and spirit, but you're living in such a way as to, to honor the Lord as a, as a sacrifice only can. But what about when my neighbor's a jerk? Yeah, it's a great way to be a living sacrifice, loving the unlovable. What about when my neighbor's dog comes in my yard? Am I allowed to shoot it? No. Cats? Yeah, no. No, no. What about paying taxes to Caesar? What about submitting to government? That's going to be in the next chapter, chapter 13. What about, you know, love your wives as Christ of the church, you know, that submit to the authority of your husband? Like, this is not going to be easy. That's right. The only way to live, fully live, is to fully die simultaneously. Do you know when you're really frustrated and upset and angry and hurt? You know what that is? That's just parts of you that haven't died yet. You know what I've never heard a dead person say? Well, I don't even have to finish the sentence, do I? They don't complain. Why? Because they're dead. You can't hurt them. Why? Because they're dead. The, every time I'm hurt, it, yes, I'm hurt. Yes, it's real. No, it's not right what they did to me. Yes, it's an injustice. Yes. I'm not, but, it, but two things are happening. I'm ticked. I'm hurt. I'm frustrated. But I'm also seeing a part of me that isn't yet crucified. And that pain leads me to a repentance because I never want to hurt like this again. So if I don't have any pride, my pride can't be hurt. I'm actually very proud of my humility. <laughs> Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Let me just say that again because I don't think you got what I got. God, give him what I got. Holy and pleasing to God. 
I, I get to be in his eyes holy. I get to be in his eyes pleasing. The blood of Jesus is so incredibly powerful. And as God looks at mankind through the blood of Jesus, though our sins be as red as scarlet, he sees us as white as snow. Why? He, he didn't paint over rust. He made us brand new living beings. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is, behold, all things have become new. A man must be born. It's, it's not a remodeling it's a tearing down and a restructuring, a rebuilding. I love this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Here's the last line. Here's the magnum opus. You ready? This. Everybody say this. This is it, man. This is your true and proper worship. No, no. Worship is you are my champion. That's a worship song, and that's an expression of worship. Worship is when you go to work tomorrow, and Jesus gets to come with you. Worship is when you're in an argument with somebody, and though you could have won with your words, you died to your rights to create what is right in peace. Worship is when no one would see that you did it, and it's just a little white lie. It's not a big, no, you'll never get, and you do the right thing anyway. Worship is when you give them $20 and they give you change as if it was a $50 bill. And although you're busy in your day, you know that that kid behind the counter at Tim Hortons is going to get in trouble when his register doesn't add up. And so you stop what you're doing. You decide to be five minutes late to work so you can go back and say, listen, you gave me too much change. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your what? Come on. True and proper worship. I get to live free and it makes him happy last statement. The Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men could become the sons of God. Hallelujah. I don't mean to go old-fashioned Pentecost on you, but hallelujah. I, the Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men could become the sons of God. I just love that. I tried so hard for so long, in so many ways, in so many disciplines. Atheism was a discipline to be good. It really was. Smoking dope was a discipline to be good in the circle I was running with. Buying the booze, having the older brother that bought it. Sorry, Mom. I'm having a person in my life that was older that bought it. You know? I was trying to be good. And then Jesus comes along and adopts me and says, you know what you have to do to make me happy? What? He goes, just trust me. Will you trust me? Uh, yes. Well done. Stand to your feet, please, all over this room. That's the magnum opus. That's, that's, the, that's the shoot dang of the book of Romans in my mind. The Son of God became the Son of Man, so the sons of men can become the Son of God. <laughs> I just love that. Father, I pray, God, that you would bury these truths deep in our heart, because if we're sons, we're heirs. Even though the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I do want to do, I don't. Romans 7. Even though I, 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 when you found me, I was so unrighteous and so lost and so not at peace and faking it and making up my stuff and getting turned over to deeper and deeper and deeper regrets because of my actions. Farther and farther from truth. More and more in pain, you rescued me. When I cried out for a Savior, I was part of the everyone that you said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
Oh, thank you, God, that you were there when I called. Thank you that you're here now as I call once again. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, you're not in right standing, you're not in a relational trust, please, please, please don't misunderstand me. I am not saying that you don't have Christian tradition. I am not saying that your, your Christian tradition is wrong. I don't care if you attend this or it's St. John's or First Baptist or St. Mark's Lutheran or the Nazarene Church and you're just here visiting. I don't, this is not a denominational statement. When this was written, there were no denominations. Come on. What this is is simply this. Your creator is extending his hand to you and saying, will you trust me? And if you've not said yes because you're trusting in other things, if you trust the confessional but you don't, you don't trust the Savior, if you trust the works but you don't trust the Savior, if you trust the word but you don't believe the one who had it written, does this make sense? If you trust the traditions and the holiness and the awe and the statues and the beautiful stuff. But listen, statues don't save you and knowledge doesn't save you. And you know what saves you? Jesus saves you. And Jesus sustains you, born again, into the family of God. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Jim, I'm not right with God. I know about him, but I don't know him. I'll just be really honest with you. In a moment, if that's you, I'm going to ask you just simply to raise your hand. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. My eyes will be open because it's... It's just fun to be me in moments like this. I, I want today to pray a prayer where I ask Jesus to be known, where I give myself to him, where I, I offer myself, my body, as a living sacrifice from this day forward. No turning back, no halfway. Today's the day I give my life to Jesus. He extends his hand to me and says, will you trust me? Today my answer is yes. Yes, yes, yes. If that's you, in just a moment, I want you to raise your hand. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Jim, I want this. Would you just, just lead me to Jesus in these last 90 seconds? If that's you, you want Jesus. This is it. This is it. This is here. This is now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't be afraid of the people around you. Like, stop. God has sent his son to die for you in a moment of courage. Ten seconds of courage. Everything can change. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now, all over this room all over this room. Yeah, I love this part. This is my favorite part. My life, my death, my gift to you, oh God, is me. Your gift to me was you, and my gift to you is me. All over this room, pray this with me right now. If you don't know what to pray, if you do, pray it. But if you don't, or if you just want to encourage those that are around you, I think that's, I think that's a good thing, right? That no one would be singled out. We'd, we'd be praying this together. Say this with me right now all over this room. Jesus, right here, right now, I give you me. Forgive me of all of my sins. Destroy the things that have destroyed me. And build in me truth, authority, knowledge, wisdom by your spirit. Fill me that I might know you and make you known. I lay down my life. I choose you forevermore. I choose you. Amen. If you have a need in your life today that has gone unmet, and we prayed for healing, but maybe it's like, I, I wasn't healed during that time, but I believe that God wants to heal me. 
maybe you didn't think about something when we were praying before or you wanted to pray for them or you have a need in your life. Whatever it is, we have altar workers that are coming forward right now, guys, if you would. And I trust these people. I, I sincerely do. I say that every week, but I sincerely trust these people. Um, I have told them things that, you know, just in prayer, I'm really struggling with this. I'm really, I feel like, man, I gotta, and I'm just really, and boy, they, I've never heard it back through the grapevine. You know what I mean? Um, they're, they're here to serve you in faith, in prayer. Chris was healed from cancer. You know, the McKinnons, you know, called the ministry. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? You want the wisest people I know? You want the kindest, most gentle touch in Genesee County? You know, just to, just to mercifully minister to you? It's all, it's all right here. Don't walk out those doors not having had the opportunity for Jesus to, to minister to you, right? That makes sense? So well, I'm a little nervous. I'm going to come. Well, they're around for like a half hour sometimes. Just So take your time. They'll take theirs. They're not going to rush through. Number 47, okay, let's pray. It's not, this isn't the butcher shop. This is the church. And I trust these men and women to minister well to you or they would not be up here. So, Father, I pray that everybody has a need, they would come forward. Those who have full hearts and full uh, of your spirit, God, just send them out to wreck the world. Help us to be shining lights, people that know the truth and having been set free by it can lead others. Let us be like a, a city on a hill that shines its light for all to see. Let us not be a lamp under a bushel, but let us, let us be a lamp that sheds light wherever it goes. If there's an increase in darkness, it can only happen by the decrease of light. So let your light shine through the body of Christ universal in such a way today that there's hope. And God, before we end today, three times in the last week, there's been mass shootings in our nation, and we pray against the spirit of murder in Jesus' name. No more. No more. No more. No more insanity. No more, no more of this. We, we stand opposed to every demonic lie that would lead someone to believe that that measure of wrong could ever be right. I pray that today someone would reach out to those who have it in their heart and they would lead them to Jesus. May we stop hearing about mass shootings and start hearing about mass testimonies and how God intervened before something horrible happened. Now we just release angels, we release uh, faith, we declare to, to the north, the south, the east, and the west, it's time for murder to stop. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, everybody said amen. God bless you. Live long and prosper. We'll see you soon.